Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One alive, one dead, one fictional. It's up to you who you choose, you pick them all. It's up to you who you choose, you pick them all. Who you having? Make it who you wish. This is your dinner party, and it's your guest list. Hello, and welcome to episode 23 of Guest List with Jake Lambert, the podcast where I interview comedians to find out who would be their perfect dinner party guests. But we only pick three. One has to be alive, one has to be dead, and one has to be fictional. This week we are joined by the very funny and very lovely Rialina. It's a really lovely episode. Um, three choices that we've not had any of them before, and really good reasons to pick them as well. Um, especially the dead guest and the fictional guest, like a very interesting take on it. So I'm going to do a very quick intro just to say thanks again for downloading. Please remember to share, to rate, subscribe, all that stuff. But for now, please enjoy my conversation with Rialina. How's Mock been? Have you done two without the audience? I've done two with the Zoom. Well, they do a Zoom audience. Zoom audience, right. So I've done right. two with Zoom audiences. And and I've never done one with the real audience. So when I first walked in there, first show I'd ever done, they said, okay, so this is going to be a bit different because it's the Zoom crowd and don't worry about this, that, and the other. And I went, I've never done this show. First of all, the audience is the least of my worries. <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's everyone else on the panel that I'm more worried about. Uh, but I've never done it with an audience. So I, mm. I kind of look forward to going back and, 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 and raise, you know, and going, oh, wow. This is, so it was amazing with yeah. the Zoom audience because they get hundreds of people get onto this one Zoom call. So you get full laughter and they give you an earpiece so it's in your ear so you can hear oh, it all. Oh, that's good. And, yeah, it's really, really well set up. And then they have the screens that they, they just put 50 or 100 people up on the screen so right. you can see people. So it's really great setup. So having never done it any other way, I thought, this is great because I have done yeah. one show where there is no audience. And then you're each other, then you and the comics are each other's laughter, which means that you have to pay attention to what you want to say, what they're saying, remember to laugh. And, yeah. and there were times where we all just sat there looking at our notes and nobody laughed. And by the end of that recording, I wasn't sure if I was funny anymore. I just went, was I? I don't know if I was like, well, yeah. you just sort of shout into the void and hope. That's what you don't want to do. You don't want to say, uh, so I think there's been an issue with my my earpiece. And then they go, none yeah. of the joke just didn't land. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Was that? <laughs> There was an audience. They all hated you. One hundred percent. We asked an audience, and one hundred people if that joke worked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they gave but up the, comedy. The, the pressure is off, isn't it? If if you doing your first mock without an audience there, because it's almost like 
it's weird anyway. So you kind of get a nice little run up as well. Well, well, there is, but the, the only thing is, is because it's a Zoom audience, you get a delay. So actually mm. what happens is you say something and you know how quickly our brains work when we're on stage. And for us, a second of silence is just this gaping hole of I'm failing. Whereas for the audience, <laughs> they're just thinking it through. And so on, on Mock, there is this extra little delay while the sound reaches them. They process the joke, then they laugh. So you, every time you say something, you're like, did it work? Well, and knowing done... when to come in again. Oh, go on. Sorry. No, that's well, perfect example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's similar to like big rooms. Have you ever done like yes. the big rooms? Long when rooms. It's the same delay, isn't it? When it's crazy. Um, yeah. The first time I did that was the in Edinburgh, the Playhouse. So it's like 3,000, but it's quite slim and just Name up. drop, love it. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a couple of TV shows mentioned. I felt like I had to put something in. <laughs> no, no. I, I My hat off to you my head off to you because I, I have never played the playhouse so i'm now jealous oh, readdress oh. the balance well, for everything go, that i've done i'm sitting there going oh my god the playhouse who books that how do i why didn't i play the playhouse <laughs> that was yeah that was my first big gig and it was like to me it felt like my first gig again which was like because i did the, the uh comedy virgins at the cavendish arms <gasps> oh what a memory what like a lovely gig that was and i remember yeah. just feeling like oh i felt like i could like I, I felt like I could, how would I describe it? I, I could hear or see actual sound waves of the laughter. I felt like it was actual waves happening. And then I was back there and it was like, I think Playhouse is 3000. And I was like, I can feel that again. It felt like that. It was amazing, but only five minutes. So imagine what, like, like you were saying, weirdly, a second can feel like a thousand seconds, but also mm. five minutes can just, it's gone. It's such a oh. weird thing. It's like interstellar. <clears throat> All these different time zones are happening in one moment. That's right. All, yeah. All these different time. Yeah. Time's traveling at different rates at different mm. places because you're so wound up for it backstage because it's huge. Then it's amazing in the moment and yeah. then it's gone. And then you go, what did I what did I do? What did I say? How do I relive that? Yeah. Did you record it? Did you get a recording? Yeah, I've got the uh, yeah, I've got the recording of it. But again, it just like oh. even when I've done like TV, I've looked back and gone, I feel like. Actually, I felt like I was most in control when I fit my first TV thing was like the, what was it? Um, Comedy Central at the Comedy Store. And oh, I really, nice. I talk really quickly, but suddenly I was really slow on that. And I felt like I was like, all different things were happening. I was clearly managing it at the same time. And I've watched that back and I can see that I'm like, you can see, obviously we know watching ourselves back. Yeah, the we processing. Know what's going yeah. on in our heads, even though you, <laughs> you realize all the audience would have no idea. It's so interesting to watch back. Do you watch your well, mock you, weeks back? I've seen bits of them. Mm, okay, yeah. We don't want to overanalyze everything. No, and what's happened is that I, I and actually I've stopped because I've done these yesterday, today's, and the day before's. And I yes. and I've I watched the first the first episode, I just did a just a guest monologue. I just did one short spot in it. And they sent it to me to then host the second one to go, here's what the show looks like in full. And I watched it and then I skipped my monologue, kept watching it. Uh, oh, and I, okay. Yeah, fair. And I haven't really watched the other. I just, I've realized that actually, if I'm happy with what I gave, yeah. then I can walk away and go, I don't mind what you did with it. But if I'm not happy, uh, yes. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just can't, I can't watch myself. I, I found that I can't watch myself. I prefer other people to watch it and just tell me, like people I trust and go, yes. can you watch that and tell me if I came across okay? Yes, and if I exactly. did, yeah. I don't, I'm happy. 
I've try and record every set that I do because you remember mm. when back before, you know, videos everywhere now, but remember when it just first started coming, you know, you would have a great gig and go, Oh, why didn't I record that? I could have used that as my, you know, as my video to send to people, whatever you would use or put it on YouTube, whatever. And so then I realized if I actually record every single gig, it doesn't matter if I mess up because I can just delete the recording. Yeah. If I just get used, cause then, cause what would happen is you go oh, I'm recording this one. I need to make this one funny. And then you would not make it funny by being too conscientious of the camera. So I record everything now uh, and then I give it to somebody else and go, hey, if you can find 30 seconds to a minute in that, if you could just crop that out and I'll bung it on. Yeah, very clever. But otherwise, I don't want to watch the whole thing again. So there are some poor people out there that I pay to watch me say the same jokes over (laughs) and over and over again in hopes of finding that one unique gem from that gig (laughs) that happened with that one person. It, I mean, this has taken years. Have you done many, many gigs back, live gigs now? Yes and no. Like, <laughs> yes, but yes, I've done a number of gigs, but yeah. how many have I not had to use the, well, I haven't gigged in six months excuse. Mm, you know? <laughs> so the hosting is fine. I found that the hosting and just, you know, going up and emceeing and talk to people, that came back fairly quickly, but the set... Uh is taking longer to come back because we, I mean, I wrote tons in lockdown, wrote tons Mm. and tons, but it all was so in the moment. Whenever we were doing Zoom gigs, you would write about whatever Boris Johnson did that week or new rules or tears or or stay alert and all of it expired. So I've come to the end of the year where we've been locked in Mm. to go, oh, all I've got is the stuff from before pandemic and it feels old and we, you know, you evolve a lot in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, you know, I'm trying to find the bits that I've, there's some bits that have written and they're definitely in their new bits. Great. But then sometimes I'm using old bits and it just feels wrong. I booked in as soon as I could. Well, I, I did Brighton Fringe. So I did a couple of hours Ooh. where I could just do new. And then I did, there's a new material night down in Fairham that I love doing. And then I did Top Secret the other day. So I'm like, I would just try to get as many new ones as right. I could just so I could just yeah. get stuff ready to go. That's really good. I've got I've got 10 minutes new material next Thursday uh, because I do want to move on. And I realized that, you know, and, and it was just strange in the, I knew in the year consciously, I was like, I can't come out of this with the same stuff. I need to come out with new stuff. But then yeah. at the same time, I didn't know what to write. Cause I had no idea what life would look like when we finally got back on stage. So how do you, how do you write for a future that is so completely unpredictable? Yeah. And so now I'm here going, Oh, I see what, okay. I understand what the world looks like. Now I need to write for it. And yeah. also, could we predict that our, I thought when Brexit finished, that I thought we like, thank goodness. Okay, we can stop being this bipartisan country with two very strong polarized opinions and we can get back to just getting on with it, whether, you know, half of us agree with it or not. But no, now we're back in the same situation, but with vaccines. Yeah, we're exactly. exactly. You know, you, we're yeah. still polarized and it, it's pretty much along the similar lines, isn't it? Yeah, especially vaxxers and anti-vaxxers. That's it. Yeah, because even there's like the um, the uh, the anti-lockdown protest people. So even then, it's sort of like they're anti-lockdown. So even though before it was Brexit, it was people who want a vote leave and who want to remain. And then it was people who were happy to remain in their homes and people who really wanted to leave. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Genius. Yes. You doing that on stage? You should do that on stage. Uh, Yeah, that's very good. (laughs) 
I've brought, I've got three names, but Perfect. what I'm really excited to hear is who you think I'm going to say that bit, yeah. that's the best bit of the email where I went, Oh, bring it, bring it up. Let's see. I want to know who you think I'm going to say. Bang. Well, let's move in. So, All right. move, sorry, I'll say that. So it actually yeah, makes sense. In. Let's move, let's move in. Let's do it. <laughs> I just think this is going really well. <laughs> let's move on. Oh, okay. If we do move in, bring the green screen. Oh, totally. It's yours. Just give me a wall. It's up. It's up. I even have a steamer. No wrinkles. Oh, very nice. Very organized. I know. I know. Nothing worse than a a wrinkle in a bookcase. Right? Wrinkled books. Although what's that famous book? A Wrinkle in Time? Is that the book? There is. Is that a book or a... Or a movie, yeah. A wrinkle in time. I bet you're going moving. I'm thinking, well, actually, it's not as good as the book. Is it a (laughs) wrinkle? A wrinkle in time is. Oh, okay. Both. We, yeah. 2018 film, A Wrinkle in Time. I'm, I'm assuming it's based off the novel by Madeleine Long Lungel, Le Engel, in 1962. Wrinkle in time. Bang. So somewhere in there, there's a joke, uh, but you know. It's half 11 in the morning, so we don't have to come up with it right now. But I, th- I, th- I feel like we've done plenty so far. I mean, that remain leave business. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. That was. Well, thank you very much. Maria, there's been a knock at the door. It's the Ooh. first guest of the evening. It's your live guest. Who's at the door? Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. Great shout. It hasn't come up before. Yes. Okay. Right. Excellent. So main question is, bang, why? Why Whoopi Goldberg? Whoopi Goldberg was my idol growing up. Um, And I Ah. think before I even knew as a kid that you could do comedy as a career, even though she did it as a career. Yeah. I just loved her. There was just something about her. I I loved her in everything that she did. All right. Granted, as a child, I never watched The Color Purple. Let's just be clear. But other than that, everything she did, I also, I mean, and she spanned everything. I think that was the thing about Whoopi Goldberg is that, you know, I, you could watch anything and she'd be there. And I mean that in a good way. Like it was very comforting to see a strong ethnic woman span Mm. everything. And she's one of like 16 entertainers to win an Emmy, a Grammy, an Academy Award and a Tony Award. Oh, the quadruple. That's the, yeah, the quadruple. But I mean, you know, Emmy, Grammy, Academy, Tony, that's for producing, that's for singing, that's for acting, that's for Something else. Something and, and one other. Um, <laughs> and the other thing, Rick Lang. I can't remember. Um, uh, but oh, I just find, right. I just, so for me to be able to be in the room with her and talk to her. And there's a second thing we do need to talk to her about, you and me together. Uh, it, because, so she's she's across everything. She was in Star Trek. I'm going to, I am a Trekkie. I'm a Trekkie. And she was, she was in there. And when she showed up in there, it felt like, you know, when I was, you know, I watched her and other things in her comedy and think, you know, Sister Act had a huge impact on my childhood. Oh. Uh, and actually so did the rather obscure Made in America, which she did for that short time that she was connected romantically with Ted Danson. She made that film. But I love that as well, because it was also about one of the very few mixed race relationships that you saw on television back in the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, and that just okay. wasn't seen back then. And that was huge. And I come from mixed race parentage. You know, my, my mm. mother is, is Filipino. My father's German. And so <clears throat> to be able to see that, then she does Sister Act, which mm. says you can be funny, you can sing, you can act, you can do all these things. 
and actually to great success. And at the point that she did Sister Act Two, she was one of, she was one of the highest paid actresses in Hollywood at that point because of that. Wow. So breaking all of these boundaries and, and yeah. all of this incredible stuff. And then she shows up in Star Trek and you go, oh, my God, that's that's my woman. That's my I back her. That's my horse. I back her, you know. Oh, that must have been amazing for you. Great. And then she, you know, and then, oh, I had tickets July 2020 to watch her in Sister Act at, at the Hammersmith Apollo. And oh, then, no way. And then COVID had to happen. So they po- po- postponed everything for a year and said, okay, we'll do it this year. And I went, fine, fine. I will see oh. Whoopi in July 2021. And then they came out and said, Whoopi won't be in it anymore. And I went, nah, give me refunds. I was this close because she was over in 2010 and it completely oh. sold out when she did yeah. Sister Act on stage. Because she's doing Just- Mother Superior, right? She's like not playing her original role. No, she's right? playing. Um, I don't know who she would play. I wouldn't care. I just want her in it. I'm not even sure who she plays. Yeah. As long as Mother Superior is the one that saves the day. I don't care. You know, she's a great grandmother as well. Like I find her just an incredible human being. So to be in the same room as her would be incredible. But also we do need to ask her why she's so vehemently Vehemently, vehemently, that you have both. You have both. I don't know. I've ever heard the word. So whichever one. Oh, really? Unfortunately, because you know she's been on the View, which is like the American version of Loose Women, and she has defended Bill Cosby a little too much. Little too much. Oh. Can I just say she backtracked on that eventually? But I would like to say, why do you keep? So she's I and I and I watched a number of clips where she talks about it, and and up until the point where she goes, oh. She she very much is shouting innocent until proven guilty, innocent until proven guilty, you know, where, right. where the court of public opinion was going, this man, this man needs to go down. She was going uh. innocent until proven guilty. Then uh, they had a legal expert on who said the problem is, is that a lot of the accusations have expired. You know that there's a statute of limitations for certain oh, crimes yeah. and Bill Cosby's had mainly expired. And so there was no recourse for a lot of those women to be able to seek legal justice. And at that point she went, okay, well, then I guess there is a lot of evidence out there and it it does look like it's guilt. And I thought that these women could get their day in court, but if they can't, then I guess court of public opinion is what it is. So she kind of, she came back on it. So I, I want to believe that really she was being a purist in terms of going, listen, innocent till proven guilty, which I do also Mm. myself believe, you know, I, I, I have one of my pet peeves is this idea of crimes against women, violence against women. And and I saw and it wasn't my I saw it pointed out to me on Instagram. And ever since then, it's really resonated. The fact that hmm. crimes against women or the phrase violence against women does not have a perpetrator. And it's all about the woman crimes against women. It should be men who commit crimes against women, people who commit uh. crimes against women. Not you know, we need to focus on the perpetrators, not the victims. And until we do focus on the doing of it instead of yeah. the receiving of it, we're not going to see progress. And I thought that that was a really important point that 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 was brought up. I think it was yeah. literally a meme or like a, a quick clip by someone, but very important point. And uh, and so I'm very hot on that. But at the same time, I also recognize that we can't just go pointing the fingers at mainly men and going, you did something wrong and then name them yeah. out in public 
if it, because there are men that are being accused of things and then it, you find out through our legal system that actually it you know it didn't happen or whatever i mean obviously we are not pointing the we are, that's you know obviously there are huge issues i don't want people to write to me go how dare you but but we need to see it from both and i would like to think that she was being a purist in terms of the judicial system and going yeah. we need to put this man through the paces of court not just you know lynch him in the street I'd like to hope that that's what she meant rather than yeah. I genuinely don't believe that Bill Cosby did any of that, even though he admitted that he would get quaaludes specifically to have sex with women he wanted to have sex with without their consent. So even with his confession. So that's why I hope and right. that's why I'd like her to come to dinner so I can go, Whoopi, I love you. But can you just explain this bit to me, please? Yeah, you, you've sort of taken the whole nun thing a bit too far. <laughs> You've run with it too far. <laughs> You've run with the nun thing too far. Oh, yeah. I mean, very well said. I literally have absolutely nothing to add. You're listening, and I like that. You're listening, Jake. That's great. I'm yeah. listening. <laughs> Perfect. Um, little fun fact, sort of uh, light to the mood. The girl who played the young Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act at the start of the film... Mm. Also played the young with Big Goldberg in Star Trek. Really? Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense, though, doesn't it? If you find one that looks like her. But yeah, yeah. she's Whoopi's. She's Whoopi's minus forty. Mini me. Yeah, Min- she's, yeah, she's, she's she is. <laughs> exactly what she is, and that should have been a film. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I honestly, I will still watch anything with her in it because of how much she meant to me growing up and how much she's achieved. Right. She also said she was one of years before. It, you know, it was in, she said, never call me an actress because an actress can only play women. I am an actor. I can play anything. And I was like, yes, queen. Oh, you, are, you are the woman. For very me. cool. I just love her. And I love how many boundaries she burst through and everything mm. else. I mean, you've got to remember, this woman was born in 1955. As a child, she probably had to sit at the back of the bus. Um, you, you know, that, yeah. it, you know, it, I mean, not literally perhaps because she was actually born in New York, but but just she she grew up through mm. that time and then to become and do what she did. And her stand up. I mm. watched uh, on Sky. They had a thing that was like the history of stand up or history of comedy. And one of the things was stand up. Uh, I think it was um, like people of color in stand up breaking through. That was one particular episode. And they showed bits of her. She was just amazing. I just think that mm. it was I just never watched it or just especially growing up in England. I'd, her films were always on, but her stand-up, that's not as big a thing over here, if that makes sense. A bit like Robin yes. Williams' stand-up was not really shown over here. We just didn't really see that side of them, even Jim Carrey's. So I watched a bit and I was like, wow, she was like phenomenal. Yeah, because she's got, I mean, but that's the thing, the brain on the brain on the person that can win mm. all of those awards, that can produce, because she, mm. you know, she was on Broadway, but then she also produced Broadway. She produced Thoroughly Modern uh, Millie, which is what won her the Tony is that the is that the producing one? Is that the bricklaying one? Tony, good brick. Can't remember, but but you know. So she for for to be to have that brain to do that, you know, the stand up's going to be good. Yeah, and she yeah. is. She was. I mean, th- that's it. You know. So I think consciously or otherwise, she probably played a large role in me becoming a stand up, even though I would oh, never like. I didn't that. consciously go. I want to be Whoopi Goldberg, but I think that that influence yeah. on me. Well, certainly, yeah. If there's somebody who you're seeing in films and you're loving the films, Star Trek, and you love her, and then you see she does this other thing, 
then that that you now do, then I guess there's no way it can't have, even if you can't remember the moment it influenced you, it must have. Yes. No, I always knew that I never, her identity to me was never separate from the stand-up. I never discovered the stand-up later. I always knew that that woman oh. was a stand-up first because that's, she was, she was known, you know, yeah, because yeah. the color purple was such a, uh, you know, a, not monument, monumental, I guess you say monumental movie. Yeah. I mean, it was so powerful. And, and what was made a big deal of was the fact that she, she was a comedian playing a serious role. That was part of it that everyone just went, wow, we are blown away. But actually yeah. comedians study the human condition. And we've seen that, you know, with Eddie Izzard, we've seen people, you know, Bill, uh, Billy Connolly, the ability of comedians or Jim, ah, Jim Carrey, the ability yeah. of comedians to play those darker moments because yeah. of, of what they do. If you're a good actor, then it, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense that if you're a comedian and a good actor, that you can play the dark stuff really, mm. really well. Um, it's, it's a bit like when I can't think of a, of a perfect example, but as a comedian who properly knows what they mean, even on stage, bits when comedians and Bill Burr talks about that, that moment that you can stop what you're doing, put the brakes on the laughter and say something you mean and then carry on how like, yes. effective that is because the audience just like, juxtaposed. That's it. Isn't, I guess it's just juxtapositioning for like, just not what the audience used to see in. I think if you are willing to lay yourself bare on stage, the way that comedians are, and it's a very mm. raw art form, isn't it? That you're opening yourself up to uh, and, and, and laughter in, in some ways, laughter is something you do in safety when you feel mm. safe. So to then drop those, you know, and it, we do it in our Edinburgh shows, that 40 minute pathos moment. But, you know, to drop that, it has it has massive impact because you're, yeah. because you're you're roller coastering people from the height of laughter to the depths of of thought, mm. let's say thought rather than despair. You know that it's it's even that change of state that makes it have so much impact. If you're watching a horror film and someone else, oh, no, someone else got, you know, chainsawed to death. You go, yeah, didn't see that coming. Oh, my goodness. You, you did. You know. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not the same as if if it's a rom com and suddenly someone gets chainsawed to death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like, whoa. You know? Yeah, and certainly the other way. If um if you're watching like some suspense and there's like or even like a, a serious play and then there's like a moment of laughter, the release of the audience is incredible because yeah. you can just tell. Yes. Yep, we needed that. And yeah, it is, and it's almost a giddy laugh, isn't it? It's almost a giddy laugh. Yes. Where you go, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah lovely there's been another knock at the door second guest of the evening dead guest Rialina who's at the door Prince Philip oh okay so one that literally couldn't have been on couldn't have been chosen when this podcast started even not this episode not sure obviously. I would have wanted him to be chosen when the podcast started either I think him being dead is really of an advantage. Um, I feel like he'll be more open with us now that he's dead. Oh, okay. Free, yes. Free of some of his restraints, you know. Oh, uh, and what would you want to ask him? So, okay. Now this is, this is, I, I genuinely wanted to be like all feminism and have three female guests and be like, woo, feminist. but I personally have one mass of curiosity that I can't find the answer to. And it, and it kind of, doesn't bug me but i think about it more than i should and that yeah. is i want to know if he was actually in love with elizabeth or not when he married her because and then we'll go back to the beginning so elizabeth first met 
Philip when she was 13. Well, prof officially met him. I think they, there was a wedding that they were both at when she was much younger. But when she was 13, he was 18. They went round his naval college and his uncle, Lord Mountbatten, arranged for him to specifically kind of look after her while they went round, you know, the thing, you know, threw them together. And she fell madly in love with him and just thought he was the most amazing thing, as any 13 year old girl would do to an 18 year old man in uniform. And I've been there myself and I remember having all sorts of crushes and just, you know, you think back and you go, oh, he wasn't that good or whatever. And, and Philip was a good looking lad, but she fell head over heels in love with him. They then somehow started becoming pen pals when he got sent in World War II out to Asia. They were writing back and forth. They became friends, writing, writing, writing. By the time she was 20, he wanted to marry her. Her dad king george said wait and then i think at 21 they announced the engagement or or got married at 21 is one or the other so anyway but because he spent his entire life in servitude to her he spent his entire life as the consort which is a word that we actually don't think of in positive consort we're used to meaning the bit on the side of the king, the consort. If you think about Asian kings and queens, the consorts were all of the concubines. Like consort doesn't have necessarily a positive meaning to it. He spent his entire life as the consort to now the longest reigning female monarch possibly in the world now. She may have even surpassed Louis the, Louis the, one of the Louis in France. He was also quite a long reigner, 60 maybe. Oh, King Louis, the king of the swing of the jungle VIP. That's the one he would actually, he would, he would sing that walking down the corridors of Versailles. <laughs> I want to be like I you. reached the top, had to stop. <laughs> that was bothering me. Oh. That's what she must have been singing when she surpassed him. Yeah, well, I, I'm sure she was, but you know. <laughs> so I'm dying to ask him all about those early years because, because right. his uncle played, his uncle took an interest in him and he was to a certain extent, a political pawn as such is to go my nephew marries the queen most important man in the country fundamentally this man married a woman that he knew would be queen and that you know and he and he struggled with it and he struggled mm-hmm. we know he struggled with it we know we struggled with the fact that his children wouldn't take his name we you know which back then was into he, he said himself i'm the only man in england whose kids won't take don't take my name um you know he struggled with walking behind her he struggled with a lot of things but he also did a lot he's the one who said we should televise the coronation oh yeah he was big on that wasn't he well they gave it to him to organize they said okay why don't you organize the coronation he said we will televise this which was of course a brilliant idea a brilliant press idea uh, for yeah the monarchy at the time for him to do that so i want to talk to him and go were you genuinely in love with her or this is the other thing remember he's an orphaned royal who was smuggled into the UK in an orange crate. So, and then he was pretty much orphaned. His mother was in and out of institutions. His father, I think was in exile. And then he was sent to boarding schools in Britain and just kind of tossed about as an orphan at 18. When the woman who's gonna be queen says, I want you. Do you go, I could live with that. I'm dying to know if it was genuinely a love match because it's actually never reported as such. That is the one bit of the entire, even the crown doesn't answer it. And the crown answers everything and stuff that didn't even get asked. You know what I mean? What, what I love, Ria, is when, when it comes to the dead guests, I always go to the guests. I say to them, uh, the one thing you get to do is to, you get to ask your dead guest one question. But your entire answer was, this is the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 
That's what I want to know. That's why he's here. And I'm actually hoping Whoopi, I'm quite sure Whoopi will help him with this. Whoopi will just be like. Yeah. And she would, she'd be able to tell him what it's like to be a ghost coming back. She could give him hints and tips. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You did get the pottery wheel for this party, right? You got that. Hey, if you and Prince Philip want to do that, then fine. <laughs> no, me and Whoopi. <laughs> oh. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Another knock at the door. Third, Ooh. final guest of the evening. Who's at the door? It's Mary Poppins. <gasps> oh, and May again has not appeared on the podcast. Yes. An incredible choice, Mary Poppins. Okay, right, <clears throat> go. It ain't a party without me. You know what I mean? Like you saying, I'm, I'm, I'm at a party with someone who's alive, someone who's dead. What, what better person to kind of make you know liven the whole thing up than Mary Poppins. Uh she's she is another childhood hero. Now Mary Poppins right. is a character from a series of books by P.L. Travers. And my mother bought me those books. So I read all of those books. Um, oh. And the movie itself is wonderful, but the books are even better. And she is not as light and fluffy. If you've watched, you know, they d- actually did a movie yeah. about P.L. Travers. Uh, ra- was it Raising Mr. Banks? Was it Saving Mr. Banks? Saving Mr. Banks. That's it. Which is about P.L. Travers trying to convince Disney to not bastardize what Mary Poppins was. Because Mary Poppins wasn't light and fluffy in the books. She was, a, there was a little bit of darkness. There was shade. She was, uh, she did show up randomly kind of as and when needed but the adventures were so much more than what i mean it was a musical it's a children's musical of course disney had to make it light and fluffy but who she is in the books is just incredible i would love to read those mm, um they've definitely republished some of them i have my original wow. four but you would i mean they've definitely republished those especially because they did the second mary poppins movie with with um emily emily blunt Yes, Emily Blunt. The other other thing I really liked is that in the books, there were actually five children, not two. So there's Jane and Michael, then there's a set of twins, and then there's a baby. Disney's thinking about the budget. We'll just work with two children rather than five. Well, precisely. No, I get that. And, you know, and how do you make a baby go up a banister? I mean, just so many takes. They're they're so unprofessional. (laughs) Falling off, crying. So I would love Mary Poppins to come because she's also, she's got that sharp thing. So if Prince Philip does say something wrong or if Whoopi says something wrong, she'd be right in there. 
When you pick your fictional guest, you get to sort of choose who plays her. So I'm guessing the one from the Ooh. books is coming rather than the ones from the film. Yes. Although, so you can... I would not be upset if Julie Andrews came Right. In. Yeah, that you are getting two for one. Oh, two for one. Oh, my gosh, that'd be amazing. So what yeah. we could have Julie Andrews but playing the book version. Yes. Oh, uh, well... No, actually, you know what? Julie Andrews is too nice to play the book version. The book version is more angular. Right. You you oh. want maybe a young Angelica Houston or an older Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Either a young Angel younger Angelica yes. Houston or an older Phoebe Waller-Bridge. One of those two. <clears throat> yeah, something like that is to come in and just, you know. That's so good. Like she's she she has a maternal side to her, but. Like very much the Mary Poppins in the books. You love her. You love her and you yeah. want her and, and any scrap that she gives you of, okay, you're all right, or you're fine, or she just takes care of you. You know what I mean? It's just a very yes. incredible relationship. And the parents in the book are also just a bit absent. And that's the other thing about the Mary Poppins books is that she comes in and sorts. Hey. Look, I got them out for you. Oh, wow. <gasps> I see. I would love those. Yeah, they're oh, just. Oh, I'm going to the library after this. I need to take a book back, so I'm going to see if they've got them. I would yes, love start those. With... I would love those. They're just. They're magical. I'm amazed that they weren't published for years. Right. Yeah. I, honestly, I didn't even know about the books. How bad is that? You haven't seen Saving Mr. Banks. That's why. That's that is very true. That is why. Yeah. Right. And nobody, nobody really did. In fact, I think that's one of the things I have to give my mother credit for is the fact that she, you know, we saw the movie, but she, she bought, she was really good at finding yeah. good books or, or going, you must read where that came from to understand. Yes. So she gave me a real appreciation for the book before the movie. And in fact, right. I would always recommend to anyone always I mean, well, this is the problem. You read the book, it's wonderful. The movie disappoints. But, mm. you, you, know, you know, or you watch the movie and then read the book and, go, you know, which way around do you do it? I think you should always read the books and then watch the movie knowing that, understanding what movie adaptations are. A book, like, for example, recently on Netflix has come The Woman in the Window, which is a book by A.J. Finn, which I read about a year or two ago. And mm. I was like, this is great because it's just, it's a good crime thriller story but people don't read as much as they should. So here is the story for people of a wider audience that are just can easily just click play in an hour and a half. They've consumed the story. Does that make sense? Yes. But that's a different, co isn't the woman in the window kind of like a crime or a psych, psych thriller? Is that? Yeah, that's it, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But those are a different genre. I mean, in some ways, I think people are almost writing that genre in order to make it in, in, to go, to make how do film. I get this movie made? Oh, I know. I'll write it as a book. Uh, where, of course, back when, I mean, P.L. Travers wrote this in the, in the 1920s. I mean, she never so, dreamed of it being a movie. Oh, 1906. Wow. So my mother. That's why it's almost more delicate. <gasps> that's my mother. Oh. She wrote to me. She got me the book. She says, I hope you like this book as much as I did. We can read it together. So she wrote it, read it as a child, my mother. That's, that's so lovely. Oh, that's such a good choice. Would you like to play her? Um, would I like to play Mary Poppins? I, maybe, but 
but the book version again the book version yes. which is See, they should do that they you do know what Batman, you could all t- these different versions that's true opinions. you could turn mary poppins into a really good serialized children's show but only mm-hmm. if we can get modern children to actually love what i used to love watching things that took place in the past and now they all want to watch things that take place in the present or the future yeah, you know, you know okay. what I mean? like this is this Mary Poppins only works if it's set in, you know, in the turn of the century where things were just a little bit simpler and that the magic has that magic to it. Yeah. You know, I don't know how you would modernize Mary Poppins. Yeah. You don't want Mary Poppins to sort of be telling the children to get off TikTok. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, Mary Poppins would probably have the most successful TikTok account of all of them. Anyway. It would be a viral sensation. That's very she true. Would be. She would be. So I think that's the problem is that with some of these things that you and I would appreciate and love is that a lot of children nowadays would, you know, would be bored by it or not understand it. Yeah, because it would be now, wouldn't it? It would, it would have to be uh, the, the child records her she doesn't realize and then it's on instagram live that this woman is now sending children backwards up a up a banister and everyone wants to know what they're going on <laughs> yeah but they'll just think it's camera <laughs> trickery and they'll be like oh whatever camera they just reverse the shot there's no magic there's no that's, magic in there's it. no ma- that's the that's why 906 works better the, the magic has to be real it has to be real magic exactly exactly that. oh i love it so much am i winning am i winning this series <laughs> You're doing very well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I came on we, to win. 41, two other podcasts this week. That's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> we have what we knew was going to be your, the bit you were most excited for. So I'll go through and say who I chose for you. Okay. All right. Okay. For a live, I went with Whoopi Goldberg. You're lying. Nope. I'll look at the other two. I'll show you here. Are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Can you see that? Yeah, but when did you pick these? Uh, This morning. Seriously. Um, You seem so. See, we're just talking about magic, and now it looks like you've just seen a real magic trick. (laughs) I, I, I'm yes. Why did you pick her? (laughs) All right, all right. Tell me. This morning before we started recording, not the moment I said her name and you went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, I chose her because. So what I do is, it feel like I, I, it's like a peek behind the curtain. Is sometimes people have been on something like uh, Brett Goldstein's films to be buried with, but there was a bit in in uh, the start of lockdown where people were tweeting their favorite five films or something. Mm-hmm. So I searched your Twitter handle today and I put stuff like uh, I put film. And then you talked about how you were going to be talking about, you were on a podcast, I think, talking about. I was. Talking about, uh, you said, I get to talk about my favourite person with my favourite character or favourite character from my favourite film. So I went, Ruby Goldberg, great shout, has to be. Yes, So it was. There we go. That was actually, but that was um, specifically, that podcast was about black, uh, black cinema. And it was. Oh. It wasn't just anything from anywhere. It was Black Summit, but it happens that mine is. Mine crosses is. over perfectly. So I just went, bring it. Uh, Lovely. You know, so, so, so it was another opportunity to just wax lyrical about how amazing she is. That's very good, by the way. Very good. Thank like, you. Oh, for that. Thank claps you. That. Now, I, I, I will be honest with you. The next ones, 
I didn't do it as well, but we went with it anyway. Okay, uh, go on. For Dead, I went with um, Joan Rivers. <gasps> love her. I, You know what? I would totally love a conversation with Joan Rivers. That's a good shout. Like, I would totally have her at the party. I was just, when I was thinking about Dead, when I was thinking about all of this, I realized hmm. that Prince Philip passing meant that I had the perfect opportunity to just solve that one last piece of the puzzle. I should not be as obsessed with that love story as I am, but. I but, love that uh, you are. It's because I had that one specific question that I went, I'm going to get him on and I'm going to ask him, but Joan Rivers generally dead or alive. I would, I would love an evening with Joan Rivers. Great. Well, yeah. I so, would well say. chosen. <laughs> You know, Thank like you. if I showed up, if if you chose the guest list and I just showed up, you know, without knowing who's be there, I'd be like, nice one, Jake. As if you picked right. the perfect wine. Which I'm, I'll be honest, I would never do. I have no idea about wine. Oh, I don't even drink. So. Oh, um, right. Okay, that's, great. That was a bit of a trick question. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> perfect wine. It's apple juice. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so for fictional, fair to say I hedge my bets because I went with uh, Dolores from Sister Act. I see what you did there. You kind of tried to mm. cover all bases and you nailed it so good the first time that this was a hedging of the bet. But, yes. but no, Dolores is, she's all right, but I don't know what we'd talk about all night. We'd say, if, you know, if it's a karaoke party. Then exactly. It should be good for a party. Yeah, but in terms of like really, you know, it, it, because the fictional allowed us to bring in anything yeah you know, you know it was I, that or it was that or if i'm honest captain jean-luc picard and a ship oh right maybe, maybe doctor that who would, yeah oh okay oh see i couldn't find any of this on you no you haven't found any of my geek i got i, no, got, I don't I know got, I got good geek for him. I'm always, you know, Star Trek v. Star Wars. When you, you know, when they do the, um, uh, Rick Carenza has this show where he has the two fandoms go off against each other. I'll always be Star Trek and Star Trek v. Star Wars. Oh, okay. And do you like Star Wars or are you completely against it? Um, No, no. I I like it, but it's far too flawed. Right. Okay. It's 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 an imperfect universe. It's also a finite universe, and that one of the beauties of Star Trek. I mean, the whole concept to boldly go where no man has gone before allows creators to continually create, create, create. Whereas within the Mm. Star Wars universe, it is a finite universe, so they have to. I mean, they're still exploring bits that they haven't explored before, but a lot of it is still tied on that same. It's basically like Brexit over and over and over again. It's just like Death Star, planet, Death Star, planet, Death Star, planet. Like, you know, it doesn't end. And so I find it a little bit echo chambery compared to the depth and breadth of Star Trek. I mean, I would hate to be up against you on one of those debates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of my first crushes were from Star Trek. So, uh, you know, that again, how did you not know I was autistic? I had a crush on Data. Who doesn't? <laughs> I just loved Data. Data was, and he was fully functional. Anyway. Well, it's a lovely insight. And now I know. So what a great yeah, way now to you're for next time. Out. Next time we're going to have to go even deeper and harder. <laughs> we'll go That's, further than we've been before. Thank you. Those are better words than the ones I chose. Yes. What is the most you've ever gotten right for someone in your guesses? Um, I think I got two. I think two's the best. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah, I've never had all three. I think it was... Do you know what? I think it was 
think it might have been Sean Walsh. Um, oh, wow. That yeah, I think. Although Joanne McNally I might have done well in because Joanne McNally ended up choosing about 14 people. Oh, I didn't know that was allowed. No, it wasn't, but it was Joanne. She just oh. kept on going. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> we now have the tough part where we have okay. to choose one of your guests to go through to the ultimate dinner party. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. I love Whoopi. Nobody wants Prince Philip, but Mary Poppins, come on. Who's going to who's gonna not want Mary Poppins at the party? But you have to make it clear it's the book version, not the movie right. version. Either movie version. Yes. And in your head, do they look the same? No. Um, Mary Poppins actually, well, so she's not an attractive woman. And obviously uh, both Emily Blunt and Julie Andrews are. Let's see if I can find a picture of her. She's got kind of a small, can you see that? Oh, okay, yes. A thin, wiry woman with quite a distinct nose. nose. Yeah. Oh, okay. And she has a little thing with Bert, kind of, but um, but yeah, no, she's not. She's not the wholesome nanny figure that Disney made her out to be. It's funny because she'd walk in, everyone would sort of recognize that, know who she is, but it looks like she's a bit more pointy, a bit more spiky. Yeah, she's a bit more pointy, a bit more spiky. She still has the um, large carpet bag and she has the umbrella with the parrot head. Oh, good. So she has all of oh, that. So you'd recognize that and the, long, and the long coat. So the imagery of her is the same. It's just that her face is a little bit more wiry. Right. I imagine she would be amazing at a dinner party. Oh, she would. She would. And no one would chew with her mouth open, which, which is another plus. Because, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, because I do that when I get excited. If I if I made it a talk, I just sort of want to rush it through, and she'd she'd hate yeah. That. Well, you you know, we were all stuffing food in and talking. Actually, I think if I'm if I recall correctly, because I haven't read these in years, that so she has a slightly uh, hypnotic uh, capability. Oh, so a spoon was attached to the neck of the bottle, and into this, Mary Poppins poured a dark crimson fluid. Is that your medicine? Inquired Michael, looking very interested. No, yours, said Mary Poppins, holding out the spoon to him. Michael stared. He wrinkled up his nose. He began to protest. I don't want it. I don't need it. I won't. But Mary Poppins' eyes were fixed upon him, and Michael suddenly discovered that you could not look at Mary Poppins and disobey her. There was something strange and extraordinary about her, something that was frightening and at the same time most exciting. The spoon came nearer. He held his breath, shut his eyes, and gulped. A delicious taste ran round his mouth. He turned his tongue in it. He swallowed, and a happy smile ran round his ran round his face. Strawberry ice, he said ecstatically. More, more, more. But Mary Poppins, her face as stern as before, was pouring out a dose for Jane. It ran into the spoon, silvery, greeny, yellowy. Jane tasted it. Lime juice cordial, she said, sliding her tongue deliciously over her lips. But when she saw Mary Poppins moving towards the twins with the bottle, Jane rushed at her. Oh no, please, they're too young. It wouldn't be good for them, please. Mary Poppins, however, took no notice, but with a warning, terrible glance at Jane, tipped the spoon towards John's mouth. He lapped at it eagerly, and by the few drops that were spilt on his bib, Jane and Michael could tell that the substance in the spoon this time was milk. Are there audio books of this, or can you please do them all? (laughs) Shall I? I don't know, actually. I don't know if there's audio books. I can't, and that's probably where I also got some of my British accent as a kid, because I had 
I have I had a British accent and then I went to an American school and I got the American accent back. But things like lime cordial, rum. Right, punch, yeah. It really came through. Very, very <laughs> good. Oh. I have audiobooks of Mary Poppins. Oh, that's a good question. Because if you just, all you have to do is record a chapter, send it in, and then just give them Lydia's email address and just be like, you've got, you've got the gig. Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. We should, there should definitely be audiobooks. Oh, there's something here on TikTok. No, sorry. What am I saying? On Mary Poppins by P.L. Travers. On YouTube. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to find Cherry Tree Lane, all you have to do is... All you have to do is... See, yours is better straight away. Who was that lady? I don't know. It's just just a random free audiobook on... She seems to do it, this channel. Uh, I mean, fair play to her. That's really lovely, but... She's no realina. No, no, you have to, you have to, they have to be a part of you if you're going to do the audiobook. You can't just show yeah. up and go to my script. You got to Yeah, show up. you could feel it. Oh, they, look at, sorry, look at that. They go on such adventures. That's where she takes them out into oh. the jungle in the wild. So that's, so she's surrounded by the elephants and the giraffes and the lions and all the animals forming a ring around Mary Poppins. Um, <sighs> Which is where the dancing penguins came from in the movie, but there was oh. so, so much more in the books. Oh, I really, really want to read these. I would love that so much. Oh, so, thank okay. you. If you can't find them, what are you on? Are you on Audible? No. Are you on Kindle? Then maybe they're on Kindle. Well, maybe they're on Kindle because no, I, I, no, I'm, I'm on, um, <laughs> I'm on my local uh, library. Oh, very good. I bet you they, that's brilliant. I bet you they could order them from the library. Yeah, they'd be able to order them in for me. From the only other library that exists now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They trade between the two. <laughs> Just back and forth, these two <laughs> libraries. It's going, do you have a book? I've got a book. <laughs> I vote Mary Poppins to go to the mega dinner party. Completely. I completely agree. An amazing choice. Ria, thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure. It's so much fun. You've Great been such concept. a star. Oh, thank you. And despite it not being a competition, you win. Yay! (laughs) Well, I stuck to the brief, Joanne. So that was Ria. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you agreed with our choice. I think it's... hmm, I don't know. I can't imagine there'd be many people suggesting that Prince Philip should have gone, but maybe Whoopi. But I really do think it'd be hard to argue against Mary Poppins. Thanks again for listening. Please remember to tell your friends, tell your family. And as always, I'll be back next week with another episode. Bye.